0: Everybody, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. Today is episode 170, and we are going to be discussing The Rolling Stones Goats Head Soup album for its 50th anniversary, which was on August 31st. Uh finally wrapping up the August album anniversaries here this week, uh only a month and a half late. My apologies. Um before we get going i just want to thank you for stopping by i know the amount of alone time it takes to get through a podcast uh, even though this little series they've been pretty short uh, isn't always easy to come by these days so i appreciate you entrusting me with yours and hope you will find that you chose wisely as always i encourage you to follow the show on any and all social media platforms so you can be kept abreast of all the latest happenings pertaining to the show and the handles are listed in the description If you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option, wherever you're listening, those are very helpful to me. And if you're interested in a bit more content from me, consider subscribing to Rock Talk Plus at the link in the description. Um, If you are not interested in subscribing at this time, but are feeling a sense of reciprocity, there's also the support the show link, which directs you to the buy me a coffee page. All right, goat's head soup, 50th anniversary We've actually discussed this album on the show here once before, uh, way back in episode 15. It was the first Stones episode that I did. Uh did an episode when they released the Deluxe Edition, which featured uh, some really cool bonus tracks. Sometimes bonus tracks can be a bit of a swing and a miss, I find. Uh, I was pretty disappointed with the bonus tracks on the Led Zeppelin Deluxe Editions uh, that came out starting close to a decade ago now um apart from the concert being included with the debut um most of them were like alternate mixes or rough mixes which um i can see how jimmy page the producer thinks like oh this is fascinating but i think to the average fan or listener it doesn't deviate enough from what we have on the actual album to make it worthwhile Uh, but usually I find the Stones bonus tracks really good. And if they include an alternate version of something, it's actually noticeably different. Take the uh, alternate Can't You Hear Me Knocking from the Sticky Fingers Deluxe, for instance, which uh, I would probably peg that as my favorite deluxe edition of an album in terms of the bonus material being really substantial. I guess the only thing it's missing is, um, you know, entire songs that didn't make the album, uh, which the goat's head soup deluxe does have some cool ones. But, um, in terms of meaningful alternate versions of the songs that did make it, uh, also the Brown Sugar with Eric Clapton and then really cool live material from the era. I think that deluxe was really well done, but the goat's head soup one was as well, which I discussed in episode 15. And, uh, it also includes their famous, uh, Brussels affair, uh, bootleg finally made official well it had been officially released as a download only thing in the late 2000s i think anyway um it uh it actually takes the evening show which is not the famously bootlegged one they figured because everyone had the afternoon show they would release the evening show but they did stick with the midnight rambler from the afternoon show which is a candidate for their best ever live performance of a single song i would say Um anyway so that um turns 50 today at the time that I'm recording October 17th uh I'm gonna drop this on uh the 20th on Friday but which so if you're listening to this on the day it drops uh their new album Hackney Diamonds comes out today uh and you'll be getting an episode about that in the near future anyway so uh yeah actually after I record this it's eight sixteen now my pizza's arriving at 9 and then I'm gonna spin my Brussels vinyl because I have the house to myself tonight so anyway We've discussed Goat's Head Soup before. Um, and I will link that episode in the description. You can refer back to it uh, if you want. You might want to listen to it as well. we'll go in a bit more detail there. Um, these album episodes this week, uh, if you've been following along, you'll know, um, have been quite concise and really just rapid reaction style. Um, the rest of the way, I'm hoping to actually type out notes for just the what would typically be the general thoughts section of our previous album episodes um and i'll i might go full out for the beggar's banquet and maybe one or two others um the only reason i'm not for goat's head soup is because i already talked about it before um so anyway um this will be pretty brief um I just listened to it on vinyl before I sat down to record, so I'll just give my random assorted thoughts. Uh, I think it's an unfairly maligned album. Um, a big part of that, I think, is the kind of poor production on the initial release. Uh, that's one of the reasons I was really excited when they put out the deluxe edition with the remastered in back in 2020 because of all their albums, it's the one that I was you know, most hoping to have a sound upgrade at some point and i think they really got it right with the remaster and it sounds much nicer now um sounded kind of tinny and distorted previously but it's much better now um so it had the unenviable task of coming hot on the heels of what's arguably the best four album run in rock history beggars banquet let it bleed sticky fingers exile on main street so Pretty much anything following that was bound to be a letdown. When you consider um, the, you know, that they're sinking deeper into their various indulgences, it's becoming less and less likely that they're, that they're going to be able to continue to top what they just did. Um, I personally like sticky fingers better than exile, but I'm. I won't argue with you if you say that they kept improving through that four album run. Um, So that's one problem. And then I also think um, something I really like about it is that it's much more ethereal than most stone stuff that, you know, of all the adjectives I would use to describe them, that is not one of them. And they are definitely the, highest artists on my personal you know favorites list that are so earthbound in their subject matter and just their general like sonic palette and everything um the you know zeppelin my number one can definitely get out there the grateful dead basically live out there i would have them too and then i would have the stones three who um you know they hardly ever scratch that itch which is a big itch for me, but they do everything else so well that, um, you know, I'm willing to look the other way, I guess you could say. Um, anyway, um, uh, I think Goats Head Soup has maybe, I would probably say actually it's their most ethereal album, uh, moonlight mile might be their most ethereal song which closes sticky fingers but um as a whole i think goat's head soup is a little spacier and maybe that's a better word spacey um it's kind of a a little boot so the the preceding golden age beggars through exile um started with the Jumpin' Jack Flash single in May of 68, which should have been on Beggars. We'll talk about that in December. Um, but you know, their, their golden era starts with that, which was significant because it was a break away from the psychedelia that they had been exploring for a year prior to that. Uh, with, you know, starting with between the buttons and then especially on their satanic majesty's request. Um, it was a stark break away from that back toward their uh, blues roots, but this time, you know, more original, not just covering their heroes. And uh, anyway, I think goat's head soup kind of represents a reconciling of those two things. They, um, and I think it's actually still quite similar to the, the rootsy, stuff that the four albums before it are based around it's just the the instrumentation and the production distracts you from that but if you listen to some of the earlier mixes on the deluxe edition you can it's much easier to see the through line from beggars bleed sticky exile into goat's head soup um so so yeah, I think it sort of bids one last farewell to psychedelia and kind of reconciles that with the the bluesier golden age that they had in the interim. And then it's kind of a a demarcation point, I think. Uh it's where they start to shift from being the Rolling Stones to playing the rolling stones in quotes uh and i think you'll know what i mean by that um at a certain point they went from you know having a genuine sense of danger to them whether it was ever deserved or not um and and that's more on the image side but you know went from musically speaking went from actually taking artistic chances and doing really interesting things in that way to sort of uh slipping at and it you know it's a gradual descent where they sort of slip into this for a song or two and then a song or three and the and by the time you get past tattoo you in the 80s well past for sure from steel wheels onward it's like this is the formula every album has a keith song or two and you know yeah a ballad that keith sings and about yeah and the albums become an excuse to tour and they're sort of playing their own caricature like but goat's head soup i think is still mostly in the they're actively taking chances and trying to do something new um Are they the sorts of chances that you typically expect them to be taking with uh, dipping into more ethereal sounds and subject matter? No, but I applaud them for uh, breaking the mold and doing something out of character like that. Um, I love the swampy sort of funk groove of Dancing with Mr. D. I think A Hundred Years Ago is really underrated coming down again the intro might be the most beautiful passage in their entire catalog the way the piano and bass intertwine uh, and I think that is a, a dark horse for one of Keith's best lead vocals I've heard that the reason they've never played it is it's actually like too emotional for him like he doesn't think he can sing it without crying or something to that effect um, it is quite a moving song anyway uh and then do 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 heartbreaker uh great use of horns in a different way than they had been doing the through the golden era the four preceding albums where it's um the um sort of a grittier use of you know Bobby Keys with the tenor sax and uh Jim Price trumpet and trombone um has more of a um like a Memphis stacks sort of feel or like you're at a, a honky tonk in Nashville or somewhere in the south uh compared to their use here where it's um like a slicker um I don't know like a New Orleans jazz kind of feel almost but crossed with that uh spacier psychedelic guitar tone from Mick Taylor which is another sonic trademark of this album I would say uh it's an interesting mix and then Angie uh, I gained a new appreciation appreciation for when i watched keith's appearance on jimmy fallon actually uh when he was doing the you know talk show circuit for his daughter's children's book um or no his children's book that uh, his daughter illustrated um talking about how he got his first guitar uh from, uh, from his grandpa and the piece that he learned to play first was i think it's called Malagueña like a spanish guitar piece so that gave me a new appreciation for angie with its spanish guitar uh elements that like oh okay that was keith sort of giving a wink back to how he got started on the instrument that makes it pretty cool uh and it's a one that can kind of take some heat within the the diehard section of the fan base Um, as being, you know, a sappy ballad of, you know, Mick, uh, shamelessly, you know, trying to get a hit, um, sort of along the lines of Fool to Cry. But I don't think it's really deserved. I actually think it's quite a nice ballad. And then Silver Train, some of Mick Taylor's best slide playing. Hide You Love, probably the weakest on the album, I would say, but still a decent little jaunt uh winter one of i would say top i was gonna say top five probably even top three uh, most beautiful stone songs and most underrated stone songs uh definitely a signature piece for mick taylor and um uh, very it can be very relatable living uh in Canada, especially when there's Someone you're missing, of course, uh and then I just noticed on my listen today this never occurred to me, but I was admiring Charlie's uh hi hat work with the sixteenth notes, and uh by the way, I'm sure it will be emotional hearing new playing from him just over two years after his passing when Hackney Diamonds comes out on well today when you're listening, um because he plays on two of the songs on there anyway. I was admiring his 16th notes and drummers will know what I mean by this, but you can just tell when they're played with one hand or two. And those are definitely one handed 16th notes, if you ask me. And it just has a different pulse to it. It just like adds a slight swing to it. Sometimes they can sound very choppy and regimented when you're playing them with two hands, I find. Um, And uh, I think it's just sort of the way you have to like, rock your arm a bit to not have your muscle the muscle seize up when you're playing them with one hand it uh, just ends up having swing to it anyway um i think they have the effects uh in keeping with the song's title of it almost sounds like well there's a persistence to it the like resolve that you have to find within yourself to whether it's just fighting fending off seasonal depression living in somewhere with rough winters or the persistence that when you're holding out for somebody or missing them or whatever that like there is a light at the end of the tunnel and we're gonna win uh maybe wins the wrong way to put it but whatever yeah win um but i also think that it kind of sounds like snowflakes pelting your windshield as you're you know, maybe to merge this with Moonlight Mile, which I think they're two of the more similar. If I think if you're making similarity scores for like other songs in the Stones catalog, they're definitely more similar to each other than to any other Stones song. Um, anyway, um, yeah, it's like the snowflakes pelting against your window when you're driving to find the person that winters or that they're both about. And then speaking of ethereal, uh, can you hear the music might be the most ethereal song in their catalog, at least outside of satanic majesties. Um, very kind of whimsically f- far out, but also ha- has a grittiness to it. Cause there's like those sections that are more just like blues rock. And then, uh, you got the flute and stuff giving it like a medieval flair, but it kind of has a sinister vibe because you're hearing it in the context of what I would say is a generally, uh, thematically dark album. Um, dancing with Mr. D, uh, is a metaphor, a euphemism for death. And then, you know, down in the graveyard where we have our tryst, that's how you start off. And then a hundred years ago, um, you know not wanting to grow up and that sort of thing which is a continuation of the fixation with time that was introduced on exile on main street which we talked about back in episode 95 i believe um and then uh and then harper or while coming down again uh you know where all my friends and uh sort of the lonely defiance of it and then heartbreaker talking about a 10 year old girl on the street corner sticking needles in her arm and then angie the you know broken-hearted sort of ballad uh silver train maybe a bit sunnier but then uh hide your love uh, from what that's implying that there's some thing out there that would not be for your success in that area and then winter the longing for somebody who isn't around um and then uh can you hear music i guess actually turns it sunny by the end uh lyrically speaking and then uh, we finish off with "Starfucker" changed to star star at the label's behest um which, uh, musically speaking, I think is maybe their best, uh, you know, original Chuck Berry-ish tune. I don't even know if I should say maybe, probably is, uh, and I wish they would play it instead of, or in a rotation with, it's only rock and roll, which they've kind of dropped now anyway, but, um, before they had, I was always saying they need to be rotating that with Starfucker, maybe Mick uh, didn't really feel like, doesn't feel like singing it anymore as he's in his, now, well, now he's 80. Um, but obviously, lyrically, one of the more controversial songs in their catalog and kind of uh vulgar even for them. But I think it's funny. After all, Tricks with Fruit are kind of cute. So anyway, yeah, I think it has a Diverse and unique within their catalog, Sonic Palette. Um, I applaud their adventurousness and the experimental spirit of it. Um, I do think they were sort of in second gear, starting to rest on their laurels and just want to kick back and enjoy the indulgences that their stature now afforded them. That started to shift on Exile but they were still able to, you know, ride the high and be at their peak. You can definitely sense them, you know, that old the uh, when you're green you're growing, when you're ripe you you rot. Uh you can definitely sense that them starting to go off that cliff here. But um you know, so if if that weren't the case and the execution were even higher, I think it could have been spectacular as it is, I think it's still a very good album and one that I would is definitely in the running for 5th place in my personal Stones ranking, uh, you know, in competition with some girls' aftermath between the buttons, um, black and blue even. Anyway, so yeah, um, underrated. I think it really benefits from the 2020 remaster and uh, one of the more different from other Stones albums. Uh, additions to their discography which uh, i think is important because they're not to the extent of acdc but they do kind of take some uh, i think certainly less earned than acdc heat for sticking to their mold and not having as much diversity as some so i hope you enjoyed that thank you as i said at the beginning for stopping by if you're new to the show welcome and i hope you liked what you heard and we'll stick around and if you've been listening for a while thank you so much for your continued support as i said at the outset i encourage you to follow the show especially on instagram and uh, please leave a rating and review if that's an option wherever you're listening if you're interested in more consider subscribing to rock talk plus at the link in the description and uh coming up next we've got Goodbye yellow brick road 50th, uh, electric lady land 55th. Those are just a few off the top of my head. Wake of the flood 50th. Um, if you want blood, you got it 45th, uh, and more. So stick around. All right. See you later.